0: Through his word. All right, I'm going to start with a little story this morning. So I know you guys like a good story, and I've got used to telling stories in my family. All right. So last Christmas holidays, we were on holiday at the Hotwater Beach, near near Hotwater Beach. Who's been to Hot Water Beach before in Coromandel? Yeah, great spot. Enjoying the pools that we had worked hard to dig. Not really. We actually jumped in someone else's pool. While everyone was relaxing, a group of people went into the water and it was reasonably rough just in the in the in the surf outside where the pools were. It wasn't long before they got caught in the strong current. And out about 25 metres out, there was a rock uh, that was in the just on the beach. And uh, one of them got swept behind the rock. Thanks, you know. And lifeguards quickly were on the scene and they managed to rescue them from, from getting pulled out further. And the lifeguards came along, they rescued them. Uh, they put a sign up saying no swimming, dangerous rip. Well, we all went back to enjoying the hot pools, and literally about 20 or 30 minutes later, a young man and a young woman, dressed in just their casual clothing—not not not in swimming gear or anything—went about knee-deep into the water to take a selfie in front of this rock with the tide coming in and out. So, deciding that the picture wasn't good enough, well, and that's what it looked like anyway, they proceeded to go out deeper. Uh, to get a better shot of the rock behind them. This is a true story. Now, at this point, many of us sitting in the pool, in the hot pool, recognised the potential serious danger and began to say amongst ourselves, they really need to come back in. They really need to come back in. Others noted in the pool that the sign actually said not to swim. And the couple needed to heed the warning. Many people looked on with a lot of concern about what was about to happen. There were even some people jeering at uh, at the couple trying to take a selfie in particularly dangerous situations. Within seconds, they were swept out, not just from where they were, but behind the side of the rock, pushed under the water and literally panicking for their very lives. Only at that point did someone start to move into the beach and started shouting and began to take action about how we could rescue them. Of course, it was all very much too late to really do anything and a few, pe- few people began wading out, most likely to make a last-ditch attempt at rescuing him. The young girl somehow managed to get uh, cling to the rock face on the other side, and in a dramatic fashion, a wave pushed her back over the rock and into the shore, and a few people were able to get out to her and rescue her. The other guy was swept out further, and the lifeguards finally arrived and managed to swim out and rescue the young man, probably leaving it one minute too late he would have been gone. They would have drowned. And all of this unfolded in a matter of literally a few minutes, although it seemed like a long time. Felt like it was going in slow motion as we all watched. The crazy thing was the young girl, after coming in from the water, kept asking, Where's my phone? I have to get my phone. She was, in, she was definitely in shock. But what was completely obvious at the time was missed. Nobody said anything until it was too late. We had the head knowledge, but nobody acted. We could see what was about to happen. Everyone knew something was going to happen, yet for the reason, for unbeknownst to us, we didn't shout a warning or do the simplest thing. Dare I say it, we were a little bit comfortable in our hand-dug hot pool sitting there. Now you probably know where I'm going a little bit with this. We all know that there's a heaven and a hell, an eternity, or a resurrection. If you don't know, let me make it clear. The Bible says there is a heaven, a hell, a resurrection, and an eternity. We can all perceive the consequences and disasters that await those who don't listen to the call of God and His, mes- and His message of forgiveness uh, from repentance of sin. But if we sit idly by and never warn anyone and never enter the water and get, uh, get out of where we are, And point out the dangers, and then remain comfortable and just sit in the pool. Yes, God will save us, but the quality of our work, work, everything we do in this life, may may just burn up and not really be valuable, as it says in one Corinthians three thirteen. See, God is willing that none should perish, and all of us have made bad choices from time to time. We've all waded into the water and done things that we've regretted. We've all made poor choices. But for some reason, when it comes to it, we don't always have the conviction or the energy or the zeal or something's lacking about not shouting out a warning or speaking the truth or sharing the gospel when it really matters. So that's what I want to talk about this morning is why don't we? Why don't we have this urgency sometimes to share this hope? Uh, And a little bit like us and our people on holiday sitting in the pool could see that something was going to happen, but not actually acting uh, out. So I just want to offer four reasons why we don't. The first one is, we think that there's plenty of time. We've got plenty of time. Well, the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, 1 to 3, and I'll just paraphrase it, of course. It goes that you know, they were waiting for the bridegroom, and they had their oil in their lamps. And you know what happened is they were waiting and waiting, and the bridegroom was taking a long time to return, and they fell asleep. But suddenly, he did return. And five of them awoke and they had the oil they needed to get ready to meet the bridegroom. The others ran out of oil and they didn't have enough and they were running out and they had to go and buy some more. Because of that, they missed out on that appointment with Christ. And it says at the end of that in verse 12 truly, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. The truth is, it could be tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Grayson, is it tomorrow? i not sure. No, I'm just kidding. Sometime, it's going to be, it could be tomorrow. Imagine that. Like imagine if it was tomorrow that you were going to meet Christ, like this imminency of Him returning. How would you live the next 24 hours? How would you live? Man, I, at the moment, I've got house extension plans. I'd be a little bit disappointed, although I wouldn't be disappointed because I'd be with Jesus, but another part of me has got plans for my house extension. So anyway, that's just how I think about it. But it could be at any moment. So how would you live? What conversations would you have over the next 24 hours if you knew that Christ was returning? What would you put right? What would you do that's been left um, undone? 2 Peter 3.9 says, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Uh, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. So God is patient. He has His timeline. And He won't put up with the sin of man forever. You know, Tracy mentioned a few weeks ago in our communion message about sin. Sin is sin, and God is holy. He doesn't water down sin. It is actually sin, and we have to be open to naming it for what it is. But we have this opportunity for redemption in life, and there will come a time where, like the five foolish virgins, it will be too late. Hebrews 9.28 says, Christ will appear a second time, not to bear our sin, but to bring salvation for those who are waiting for Him. So He's appearing a second time, but it's not to take upon the cross our sins. He's already done that. He's coming for those that are waiting for Him. So just like the young couple heading into the deeper water, things can change in an instant just like that. And we need to act while we can. See, God sees time differently than we see time. You know, we might have our plans, our methods, our things, but God has His timeline as well. And I believe we need to act for urgency for the sake of the people around us, the people around you, the people around me, uh, as if any moment things could change. You know, you've probably heard stories in your own life where people around you have been walking their life and all of a sudden something changes. You know, a son, a daughter dies, a car crash happens, uh, a doctor's appointment changes the trajectory of their life, or everything. And in a moment things are just radically different. Uh, And if you think about that, that's just a small glimpse of what it will be like. When, we are, when Christ returns and we meet our very maker, our saviour. Look how fast the world changed with COVID-19. In 12 months, the whole world has completely been reshaped in everything we know. So the truth is that it could be at any moment, that time frame. But I think it's always better to live with an appreciation that it could be at any moment, that time is short, and we need to be living to God's agenda. Number two is some people are called to missions, but I'm not. Some people are called by God, but I am not. Well, I don't know about this. I reckon Isaiah 6 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And he said, Here I am, send me. And Isaiah says these words, which need to be echoed today in every generation, that is, Here I am, send me. You know, an article I read this week said, To be given a calling implies that somebody called. Have you ever, like, um, When you've had an awkward conversation with someone, pulled out your phone and started talking because, um, but no one's actually there. (laughs) But you're just having oh, I've just got a phone call coming in. I've never done that, but I know people do do that. But you know, you've um, you've got your phone. God has given us a calling because He's called. You know, He's the one that gives us our calling. He's the one on the other end of the line. He's the one that's calling you today to a specific purpose. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And it's true that He has plans to bless us and to be with us and that. But on the other hand, 2 Corinthians 5, 20, we are also Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I love that translation, when we plead, come back to God. We can easily get caught up, I think, sometimes in the Christian life of God's plans and prosperings and purposes and all that sort of stuff. And forget the part that He's actually wanting to make an appeal through our lives. We have to be careful when we live this life, that we're not just living for the plans and the blessings and the goodness, and God wants to do that stuff, but not forget about the fact that He's trying to also make this appeal through your life to those that desperately need to hear the love of God. So the question is, who is God wanting to make an appeal to through your life today? Who are the people that God has placed you around that He's wanting? to put across your path that he's wanting you to reach out to. To say that I just need to live a good and holy life and to leave the mission stuff to others does not really weigh up when we look at the scriptures. So God may reach you, to, uh, may call you to reach mongrel mob gang members, or he may not. He may call Ene to do that, but probably not me. But he may be asking you to reach isolated mothers that are struggling in their time of need. He may be asking you to reach out to distressed students that are trying to make sense of studies and a new change in life. He may be asking you to reach out to solo parents that are doing it tough today. He may just be asking you to reach out to couples that are going through issues, or he may just be asking you to calling you to being a light in the workplace where you're at. Now, there's a local cafe on the peninsula, uh, best part of Auckland, just saying where I live. Um, but um, she's a lady that owns this cafe and I go there all the time. In fact I meet some people from our church there every now and then and we say to each other I'll meet you at Church Unlimited Te Aratu Peninsula which is our <laughs> local, uh, local place. Uh, anyway we go there and we hang out. I asked her the other day because she's a Christian and I said what do you do to reach out to God through your giftings and through your church that you're a part of here in the peninsula and she said Oh, we, um, we put, these, um, we put these, these lunches together for the local school, 200 every week. Uh, and then on a Monday and Tuesday night, they open up the cafe for these ladies groups. And then every Christmas, they do a shared meal for, the whole, for different ones in the community that don't have others around. And they cater for them and they put it all on. And I was just listening and going, man, that's awesome. And I love what she's saying. It's just using the gifts she has to do something in the place that God has put her to bring his love, his joy, and his blessing. So the question is, what do you have? What's in your hand? What have you got today? Because all of us have got something. All of us have got something that can be a blessing to others when it's surrendered to God. You know, you are good at something. You know, you are good at doing something. And often it's through the things that you enjoy doing that you're good at that God actually brings about His story, His, His hope, through those things that you enjoy doing. I know for me, like, often through my worship over the years, I've found that, doing music, and that has opened up a door just to talk to people about God. You know, they start talking about music, I start talking about, oh, I love music, you know, I love singing because God's a creator, he's a, he's a creative. And all of a sudden, we're talking about God and bigger things like that. But it's so simple when you're doing the things that you have. So we're all called to be on mission. John fourteen twelve. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. You know, the Holy Spirit is at work within each of us uh, to do what we need to do. The early church, I believe, was filled with the Spirit of God, and they were living in daily power, going about their daily lives. You know, the danger is today we have a few gifted, skilled people who do it all, and we all just observe. And we know that doesn't work. It doesn't work. God wants to empower every single one of us to be His church, to be His sultan like wherever we are. So coming back to the beach story. Anyone could have warned those two young people about the dangers. In fact, a 10-year-old could have screamed and shouted at them. You know, a teenager could have pointed out the sign and said, you need to pay attention to this. I'll just tell you what happened a few moments ago. Anyone could have done it. They didn't have to have a degree. They didn't have to have 10 years of experience of sitting in the pool and watching people. Anyone could have shouted a warning and said, don't do it. You know, you don't need to be uber qualified. You just need to do... Something small. Cool. Number three is, uh, and it's a little bit similar, but it's a little bit different. I just let my good deeds do the talking, but I never verbally need to share the gospel. I don't know about you, but I think I've, I don't know, maybe I've heard that or felt that from people from time to time. I'll just let my good deeds do all the talking. And it's true. Our good deeds need to do the talking, but there comes a place in time to be able to verbalize what we believe. You know, on the one hand, you have the fivefold ministry of apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor, Ephesians 4.11. And that's good because there will be those among us who are inclined to get out there and share their faith and have a lifestyle of, you know, regularly evangelizing. Uh, And they're good at equipping and inspiring others to do that. And uh, and I like being around those sorts of people. Uh, But on the other hand, you have Jesus who made it clear that we're all responsible to take the good news, the message of Jesus to those who are there. I read a quote the other day that says, God is interested in your availability than your ability. He's interested in whether you're available for Him. So on um, Tuesday this week, I had three young guys knock at the door here. Actually, they didn't knock. They just walked in and they came into church and they were with the New Zealand paraplegic uh, all blacks team. I I don't know there was such a thing. But anyway, there's apparently there's um, so they're in the wheelchairs and they're playing rugby. I don't even know how that works, right? But there's this team, and they're ready to go to the Olympics. And these guys came around. They're all about 20s, and they wanted sponsorship um, for the team. And so I was in a, on a meeting at the moment on, um, online, so I said, look, come back in now. And um, while they were gone, I felt God say to me, you need to share the gospel with these three young guys. And I always think like that, and most of the time they don't share the gospel with everyone. No, it's not true. <laughs> I don't always think like that, and most of the time they don't get saved. But I felt a real nudge in my in my spirit, just say, just share, just share the gospel with them. And I thought, okay. So they came back in an hour later, and we sat down, and they started telling me about the the um, the, uh, the All Blacks in wheelchairs. I don't, I can't remember the name. Anyway, they started telling me about it and how they need sponsorship. And I said, mate, I'd love to sponsor you guys. I love rugby. Uh, I I love what you're doing. It's awesome. And I said, look, can I just take five minutes of your time? And they're like, yeah, sure. And I thought, well, they're in a church, you know. They're not going to be super offended because look where they're in. So I sat them down and I didn't know how to start. So I actually just said, look, can I try and share the gospel with you? <laughs> and, they, and I thought, that's a terrible start. <laughs> and they just were like, "They were like, yeah, yeah, sweet ass. okay, yeah. And I just said, look, I, I just feel I want to share the gospel message with you. And just in a small and Small way. So they sat down and I, I just started from the beginning. I said, look, for me, I believe that God is the creator. He had a plan from the beginning. You know, it all starts with him. He had a plan and he, he, he knows each one of us. He was there at the beginning and uh, and his desire was to create us, you know, man, uh, man and woman and to, to have this amazing relationship. But then there was this problem of Sin, Adam and Eve You know, they sinned in the game And at that stage they're like Oh yeah, yeah, I think I've heard of this And um, and you know, sin And then I brought it down to a personal level So, you know, hey, we've all sinned And I said, have you ever told a lie? Oh yeah One guy said, yeah Have you ever stolen anything? And the guy says, oh yeah And then I said to the middle guy Have you ever had a lustful thought? And there was this half second silence And I said, come on man, there's four guys here And he's like, oh yeah yeah. Okay. And I said, "Don't don't lie, because then you'll be like this guy." No, lying. And I said, "So you guys have all admitted we've all sinned." Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, we've all sinned. And I said, "Well, that's a problem because the Bible says if we've sinned, we've you know there's a separation that happens, you know, because God's holy. He He's holy, and we when we sin, the Bible says you know all have fallen short of the glory of God. So we need help, and that's where we have Jesus. And Jesus comes and explained Jesus and the cross, redemption." You know, our sins paid for on the cross. And so we have this new life through through the, the, the resurrection of Jesus, dying for our sins and rising from the grave. And at that point, I think they were still with me. Uh, although one of the guys started looking this way and that, probably thinking, where's the exit? And, uh, and I just kept going. I was like, no, no, okay, God's here. Started cheering. And then I just said, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, it's our responsibility to do what we want with that. God doesn't force you to make any choice. He leaves it with you. And uh, and I said, "Look, is there any chance any of you want to say a a sinner's prayer and invite him into your heart?" And you know what they said? Nah, it's okay. I'm all right. (laughs) And I thought, "Oh, okay, all right, we were almost there." But I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, "You're not the one that gets him saved. You're not the one." And I was just like, and I remembered the the parable of the sower who put the seed. You know, the seed some was rocky, some was some had thorns, some fell on the path, some landed on good soil. And I thought, okay. But then the young guy that was there, he started sharing with me about his mum, who was an atheist her whole life. And about two years ago, she became a Christian. And it's radically transformed their home. And he just said, oh man, she's just this, she's just this God lover. Like she's just this god lover. And she he started use this image. And he said, Yeah, but she's really changed. Like she's really changed. She's she's just she's just a way nicer person. And I was just like, oh wow. So I started asking him, I said, Well, what happened? And he said, I don't know. And um, anyway, one thing led to another. And I said to him, man, you need to find out what happened to your mum. Like, that doesn't just happen. Someone just doesn't change like that. Anyway, he started cheering and he said, yeah, maybe I do need to find out what's happened. Maybe I do need to find out. So in the end, you know, yeah, they didn't give their lives to Christ right there. But something happened. And And if anything else, I stepped out and I shared the gospel with someone. And I thought, man, that's what it's about, right? Like... I feel guilty getting that clap, to be honest, but we should all be, we should all be stepping out. I, I say that to encourage you. Like, we're not, We don't need to be experts. We don't need to be an apolog, apologist or an evangelist. You just need to have the moments where there's a, okay, God, if you're telling me to do this, I'll try If you're telling me to do this, I'll step out. The father of modern-day missions, William Carey, once when asked what qualifications he had, Carey replied that he was a plotter And that's all he could do. But he could plod for Jesus. God in the life of a seemingly normal man or woman can achieve the seemingly impossible tasks. And I think I relate to Kerry in some ways. You know, I don't think it's often that we have amazing gifts or talents or skills or the right words at the right moments. Sometimes we might. But in the simple plotting of walking with Jesus... I've really come to appreciate how God can use my life in different situations and when opportunities arise to just take a step and let Jesus do the miraculous. So turn to the person next to you and say, keep plotting. (laughs) Because if you keep plotting, there will be those moments that come up and God has His way. So what has God placed in your hand? Use it as an extension to share... Your story. The other thing that I would really g- recommend is get around people that are passionate about sharing their faith. You know, that's really helped me. Get around people that are good at sharing the good news. Because you get infused with it. You get encouraged. I always love talking with um, Pastor Grayson about this, um, about it. Because he's always good at sharing this faith. And I just get infused with a bit of me. Maybe I could do this a bit more. And so you've got to put yourself around people that love sharing their faith. Uh, 1 Peter 3:15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, do not say fire and brimstone, you're going to hell, you're screwed, man. No, you need to say. You need to be gentle. Use use your will use some sensitivity. Use some empathy. You know, be, be interested in the person first. Be interested in who they are. Another real key in this is just, you just got to know your testimony. you got to know what God's done in your life, which raises the question, has He done anything in your life? Can you, can you say it? Can you verbalize it? Can you write it down? You know, can you tell your story? Because no one can argue with your story. No one can disagree that God's done something miraculous. So, write it down. Make sure you've got it in a place where you know, be able to tell what God's done in you. At the very least, if someone asks you about God, you should be able to say, Well, I don't know about all that stuff, but this is what God's done for me. And that's a great starting point. So, start small and don't compare yourself with others when it comes to sharing your faith. Most of us aren't really that great at it anyway, so just give it a go. Like the couple at the beach needing rescuing from the lifeguards who maybe have a bit of training, a little bit like your evangelist or your missionary, we can all do something to shout and wade out into the shallow waters. We can all be the fence around the top rather than the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. We can all do something to help people get out of the dangers of the water. The last little myth that I want to dispel a little bit is the fourth one, which is uh, people just don't want to know, so why even bother? And that might sound a little bit negative, but I think the reality is sometimes we think people are just, they don't want to know about this, do they? Do they really want to know about this? Do they really have time for this? Why should I even bother with this? And I i just sometimes I um, i get a little bit, I think I've had moments where I've thought like this. And we used to do an outreach outside Vector Arena. For some of you guys will remember, we used to go out with soup and bread and, um, and just, just talk with people and share with people. And I remember one... Saturday night sharing with people, and I stopped this one guy, was in a bit of a hurry, and I said to him, Hey, do you want to come and get some food? Uh, And and he was just like, No. (laughs) And immediately I was like, Well, that's rude. And I said to him, Well, it's all free. You know, we're just just out here giving out some, some food and just, you know, talking with people from the local church. And he's like, No, I don't want any of that. And I just thought, wow, stuff you. No, I didn't say that. I wanted to. I wanted to. I was just like, you're going down. But I just was like, this, I was just like, man, God, some people were so hard. Like, that was when I should have been like Jesus, right? You know, I'll wash your feet. But I was just like, you're an egg. But um, anyway, part of me was just like, oh, man. And this came to mind when I was thinking of this point. Like, we, we can honestly sometimes think, well, like, why bother, right? People are so set in their ways, or, you know. And the truth is we do see people around us all the time set in their ways and having a hardness of mind or heart. But I guess it's maybe not enough of an excuse. And I think if we look at someone in the Bible that amplifies this, it's got to be Jonah. Jonah had a mission from God. Jonah one three uh, says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of... Amittai. go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went on board the ship and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And I think if anyone had an excuse not to want to bother, it was probably Jonah. You know, he was from the company of prophets. They were a holy group. They were God revering. You know, and now he had to go to Nineveh, a city full of evil, didn't value life, you know, full of violence, sexual immorality, pagan gods. Uh, You know, he had previous prophecies from 2 Kings 14, 25 speaks about some of his prophecies uh, which were favourable and came true and were good for Israel. Uh, You know, maybe he was valued and respected in the position and the place that he had. Uh, More than that, he was a Hebrew. So he most likely wanted Israel to prosper and everyone else to be Kind of finished off. But on top of that, a true prophet was endorsed by his prophecies coming true. And Jonah probably reasoned that if God, you know, relented, of course God was compassionate, which he knew, then the city wouldn't be destroyed and Jonah's prophecy, big bad prophecy wouldn't come true. And maybe, maybe he would just be seen as not as accurate as what he was supposed to be. Maybe he wasn't as good as what he used to do or maybe he was even false to a little bit. So there was a lot in it for Jonah. You know, often we think of the fish in the story, but there's probably a lot in it for Jonah. He had a lot of reasons to turn and run when you think about it from that angle. And I think sometimes we can be like Jonah as well. You know, we can feel something inside of us to say, oh man, God's telling us to pray for someone that's going through a difficult situation or to step out and pray for someone for healing in our workplace or a neighbor that's going through something and we need to pray. And our response is, yes, Lord, right away. Instead, we just cross the path. And we walk home and we forget about it. We say, oh, maybe another time. And we run away a little bit like Jonah. However, we know with the story of Jonah, it doesn't end there. You know, he does go eventually and the people do listen and they respond wholeheartedly and the city is spared. People don't lose their lives is the bottom line. And here's the main point. When we share the gospel through our story, through praying for someone, through our testimony, Uh, through however God has equipped us, maybe through uh, social media, maybe through arts, maybe through the things that God has given in your life. Uh, We don't know the condition of people's hearts, but God does. God knows the condition of people's hearts when you're speaking, when you're praying, when you're giving that encouragement. We don't know where they're at, but God truly does, and that's really what matters. If you think about online church... And all the kind of, you know, pros and cons and criticisms that came with it. At the end of the day, people heard the gospel in their homes that didn't hear it before. At the end of the day, people were giving their hearts to God in their homes in a way they weren't before. We may think that people are as hard as nails, but sometimes they desperately actually want to hear the good news of Jesus. And if we do the sewing and we carry the message of hope, the Holy Spirit, He's the one that does the supernatural. Um, And I think in Jonah, there's a little bit of a warning as well. Like if we resist God's plan to love and to share the good news that we have, we may end up stepping onto the wrong boat. We may end up heading in the wrong directions and we may end up in a big, bad, ugly storm that we actually don't want to find ourselves in. You know, we can put ourselves and others in harm's way. So Jonah, he he had his issues with God's directive about going to Nineveh. But we can learn from that that we don't need to be worried about being all spiritually sorted before you go. You know, don't worry about trying to have it all figured out before you step out and go and do what God has called you to do. If you try and do that, you'll end up stepping onto the wrong ship and, and probably running the wrong way. But if you take your concerns to Him, to God, you confess those, you talk to God about those, He'll figure that stuff out on the way. He'll sort, you know, if you think about it, God called Jonah to go. If Jonah had gone the first time, God would have worked on those issues of his heart. He would have. But Jonah chose to go the other way. And We can learn from that to go, okay, God, if you're calling me to do something for you, I'll go and do that. Even if I've got concerns, even if I can't figure it all out, even if it doesn't actually make a lot of sense, I'll step out and do what you need me to do. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. So, God asked Jonah to go to the great city, even though He knew Jonah's internal issues. God works. See, God works on us, even if we step out in obedience. He will work on us on the way. To those who God has this week desperately needing His love, make sure you step out of your way and do something that you can do. Church this week encourage you to go beyond where you are. Uh, As a worship team, if you guys want to come up, let God use you in the situations you find yourself in. Don't compare yourself to others and think, oh, if only I could do it a little bit better. If only I was a little bit more able to share. But be Christ's ambassador wherever you are in this lost and dying world that desperately need His love. The time is short. The time really is short. We really never know the hour or the day of Christ's return. So we need to live with this expectancy. And in your own unique way, You know, share the love of God. Know your story. Know what it is that God has done in your life. Take a step and then another little step and let the power of God flow through your life. Church, we need to move beyond the uh, excuses that we have and decide to make a bold stand in our faith and get out and do what we can do. So next week, I'm just going to share on three simple steps about how to share your faith in a really easy way. We're going to anoint with oil and commission all of us to step into more of that.